Welcome to Before You Cut Bangs. I'm Laura Quick. And I'm Claire Fearman. I'm Laura, and I am a professional storyteller. And I'm Claire, and I have been a therapist, a coach, a counselor, and all over the mental health world for many years. A quick disclaimer, this is not therapy, and this is not coaching. This is just a podcast. Totally. A really badass podcast. All right, on today's episode, we are going to talk about what happens when we're acting wacky, what's going on in our brain, because likely we are just fully in survival mode and there's ways to take yourself out of survive and into thrive, and it's just not rocket science. Okay, so I'd like to kick it off with a story because I have lots of them, but I'm gonna talk about basically the blackout decade of my life, which is my 20s. Um, It is the cringiest 10 years that I've ever lived. I became a mother during that decade accidentally. Hi, I love him. He's perfect. He's 20 now, but it did happen. I had several marriages on accident. Whoops. I realized the level of crazy I came from, but didn't quite know how to separate that level of crazy. So it kind of was my baseline for normal. I was functioning I think most of my 20s just in survival. So did a lot of fleeing from the scene. Uh, Anytime something got kind of scary or real, I'm out of there. Did not do a lot of freezing. That was not my vibe. I was either a fighting or a fleeing person. Um, And so... (laughs) What? You sounded like a little Irish lilt. A flying or... I'm either flying or (laughs) fleeting. Yes, never anything else. Um, But I thought it would be fun to talk about that because... Not fun, obviously. It's horrifying. When I look back on myself during that decade, I realize, one, I have a lot of compassion for that version of myself. Really, I do think she was doing the best she could, and she had no tools. She had never done formalized therapy. And what's really, really crazy is my career took off in my 20s. You know, that is where I found worth and value. And so I doubled down. But my personal life looked like an actual like dumpster fire most of the time. When I met Claire... I will never forget the first time she explained what happens to the brain. I am such a visual person that, and and just, I love, um, wait, what's it called when somebody tells you a story that's not really about the thing they're talking about? Cognitive dissonance? What, what is how? No. Never say that. I would never know what okay. that is. Okay. Um, a story not about not the like sto- a a metaphor? story. Not like a story. Yeah, like a metaphor. Not a metaphor. Parable. That's a Jesus story. I do love a good parable now, uh, but uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. It's uh, what is the thing you're telling when you're talking about the brain? What would you call that? Science. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I will facts. You. Interesting. When um, you say science, I will throw this notebook at you. Allegory. Oh, oh! Here mm-hmm. he comes, Mister America. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I also wouldn't call it an allegory. I would just say, you know, I do words for okay, a living, you know right? What? And I suck at this. Okay, go. I'm going to just say that how I explain the brain. When I say I'm going to do it, I call it hippie science because it's how my brain works. But it's probably it's it's a storytelling way. It's like a visual. Okay, story. well, this is really all tracking. That's why it made sense to me because I love stories. All right, Gucci, tell your tell your tale. 
In my 20s, I lived in Savannah, which is where I'm from. I'm actually from a small town outside of Savannah, but whatever. I lived in Savannah as an adult, and I would not have my son, obviously, every other weekend. And so, you know, a girl going to go on dates. And in the process of that, I would go on dates. And if they were bad, I just needed them to be over. And so the plan was to make it to this one bar on Bay Street and I had an arrangement with Bonnie, the bartender, that if it was, if I walk in with a guy, she knows I'm leaving him at the bar. Like that's the whole thing. And so I'd walk in with a guy, I'd give a wink to Bonnie, and I would go up to the bar, order a drink, and then I would say, I've got to go to the bathroom, but I'm never coming back. And Bonnie knew that. And so I would drop the guy at the bar. He'd order a drink. I'd pretend I was ordering a drink. She knew I wasn't ordering a drink. And then she would come up to him and be like, hey, she's not coming back, but she did buy you this shot. And they're kind of famous for like jello shots. And so she would give him a jello shot and I would like settle that up next time I saw good old Bonnie. Brutal. Brutal. I'm not even saying it's wrong. I, I think there's probably not a really great way. I don't know. It's called but, fleeing, but Will, is- okay? And I understand <laughs> the error of my ways. I have repented for the person I was during that decade. It wasn't great. It wasn't wonderful. We'd actually like to spend some time focusing on what a piece of shit you are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. Yeah, throw it at me. Okay, so did you, a couple questions before we do, like, clinical counselory things. Did you ever hear from them again? Yeah, sometimes. I'm friends with one of them on Facebook. And did you say you were sorry? Mm. Mm. I'd like to apologize to (laughs) any men I may have left at a bar on Bay Street in my 20s. I am sorry. Was Bonnie like super cool with this arrangement? I think Bonnie is a badass. I think she kind of like, maybe she saw the woundedness in me and she's like, yeah, this girl is broken. Or just was entertained by the idea. I think maybe entertained, you know, it's an entertaining thought. This girl that will roll in and be like, nah. Because I'm here, it only gets more awkward if it's not going well, if you continue to go to places and involve alcohol. And I'm a control freak who came from, you know, a not great place. And so I did not drink a lot because I'm so controlling. So many bartenders in Savannah would, I would pay them extra to serve me vodka water, which was just water with lemon so that I could look like I'm drinking and having a great time, but actually not be drinking and having a great time so I can be in complete control. I'm sure this is its own Mm. episode. Okay. Mm. Mm. Don't shake your head like that. Mm. Oh, I'm picturing Bonnie as like, kind of like a motorcycle kind of gal. Wow. That is a you know it's like you have been there like i'm picturing a lot of blonde a a tan Mm -hmm. weathered look maybe maybe but no blonde Hmm. um darker hair always up on her head i vaguely remember when her daughter had a child that they did have a playpen in the bar at one point and i was into that (laughs) it's like bring your baby to the bar 
week. Well, bring your baby to the office. You know, yeah. what we would call it. <laughs> okay, so if we want to look at the brain, what was happening? What was the thought right before? I'm trying to go back there. Like 20-something Laura, who immediately decided to go on dates that I already knew were destined to be complete failures. I'm certain of it. And so I think what I was telling myself was I just have to get the hell out of here as quickly as possible. And so having a plan for how to escape felt so like good and safe. Okay, so I was called the man eater in high school because I would date these guys and then just quickly change my mind and it was done. And I remember for the first time hearing the Beatles song, I'm looking through you and there's a line that says, love has a nasty habit of disappearing overnight. And I'm like, that's like I would just wake up and be like I'm done I'm out um I was different than you I'd like to trick them into breaking up with me sometimes I mean or I was a big like it's not you it's me kind of gal um and I thrived in that so we're gonna imagine our brain um and we're gonna be driving a truck in our brain any kind of truck you want all right and we're on this cute little dirt road um and it starts to rain and the more it rains the more like divots we're creating okay and every time you drive down that same dirt road in the rain a deeper divot is growing okay and eventually your front wheels of that truck no matter how good that truck is get stuck okay and you have to figure out how to adapt so that's what happens when painful events occur in our life so first painful event divot next painful event divot it reminds me of that painful event and it's just deeper 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 until our response becomes wacky and wonky so what does the divot feel like what does that mean that's where we get maladaptive coping skills okay so we try to cope to compensate Um, and that's when our brain feels like um, like if I got left over and over and over again as a child and I sense someone's going to leave me then I will go ahead and leave them I will drop them off with Bonnie or if I sense that they're going I'm going to expose who I really am and they might not like me I better drop them off with Bonnie so that's how we get into these coping you're literally describing my 20s that is what I did I either in real life, dropped them off with Bonnie or in my mind ended something because the alternative of being rejected, right? I've already been abandoned. I mean, you described my childhood. That was what kept happening. Abandonment, abandonment, abandonment. The narrative was, if you don't leave, they'll leave you. So I've got to get the hell out of here. Bye. Was there a window in the bathroom or a a back door? There was a back door. So I could say I'm going to the bathroom, but really I just walked straight out the back door. Okay, so in our brain, tucked way back in there, is basically a reptile. And if you see a little lizard, and if you live in the South, you know the little lizards. They're green, but they can change colors. And this is true and it will make sense with therapy in just a second. So when I was a kid and I did grow up in Alabama, Roll Tide, we would pick up those lizards and we'd flip them over and we'd rub their bellies and they would just kind of go limp, okay? You killed lizards? No, Laura, that would mean that therapy doesn't work, okay? okay. This is an actual life instance and a metaphor, okay? I didn't know. I didn't know lizards would sleep. 
A lizard's instinct is avoid harm. That is all it knows to do, okay? That part of my brain, all it knows to do is avoid harm. Take a man to Bonnie, okay? Don't check my email because it could be scary. So anyways, I pick up these lizards and I rub their bellies and they relax so much that we would open their little mouths. No lizards were ever harmed or killed, but we would clip them, we'd clip them to our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, earring, earring lizards. I was I've also seen a, this. I was a child of the '90s. My parents smoked Vantage regulars inside, so we would put an unlit cigarette in their mouths. Okay, <laughs> there was a lot to be done with a relaxed lizard. Okay, and they were set free, had a great life. I never kept them or anything. So, point being, when we are in that space of my body is only trying to avoid harm, the only thing I can do in that instance is soothe myself in a sensory way so it is pet the lizard okay and that sounds kind of sexual but okay keep going my track record thus far in the podcast is is sexual so here we are all right Uh, and what's funny is people call me like meemaw and grandma because my hobbies are like hiking and knitting but not on this podcast wait first off that's a real thing that happened one time i was waiting in line with claire like we're just casually waiting to sit at a restaurant and she opened her fucking purse and started knitting. And I was like, what's happening right now? Who are you? It wouldn't have been a scarf, lame. And <laughs> I'm a much more complex knitter than that. Oh, okay, and well. it's soothing. And like, why not get some stuff done while you're waiting? Why not get your Christmas list taken care of when oh, you're in line? Right. That's true. Um. Anyways, back to the point quick is when I was this kid holding this lizard rubbing its belly that's exactly what a human needs okay sometimes if we're too activated we can tell people in our lives friends partners whoever um, like what to look for so if I sense that my boyfriend has tied his shoes differently that day I'm like we're probably in a fight you know and he knows that if I ask a crazy question I like need a hug or some water okay so that's what petting the lizard is it is it takes 20 minutes to soothe that's all Mm -hmm. and when i say sensory like go back to kindergarten your five senses drink something cold take a 20 minute walk listen to birds outside listen to your favorite song smell something put a lemon in your mouth like anything that activates your senses and moves you into soothing that's all we're trying to do and to be honest, dropping somebody off at, with Bonnie, if you didn't have the language, probably wasn't that terrible of a move. Yeah, so, I'd like to let that be on the record. <laughs> I think if you don't know what to do and the lizard is activated, you just got to drop them off with Bonnie. That's right, because if the lizard's activated and that part of the brain only knows to avoid harm, there's actually no language center in that part of the brain. So that ha- if you've ever been in a fight and the other person's like, what? what? You know, and they're just like hammering you or they don't think you make any sense. And you're like, God damn it. Like, I can't get my point out. That is the lizard. It's too activated to have like a well-constructed point in an mm-hmm. argument. It's so hard to argue with someone who has it. Ha- their brain is fully online and logical, but your brain has gone irrational. And you, the stories you're telling yourself are like, okay, well, this is it. We're done. He's leaving me. I'm leaving him. I've got to get, I'm moving to Antarctica now because, you know, my life is over. So, okay, so let's keep rolling with that. So, if you are in a fight with your spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, and you are so, let's say they're offline and you are watching them 
totally decompensate. If you have the good ego strength to help them, that is called fighting well, okay? Mm -hmm. Or choosing how to lose. So in that moment, instead of doubling down or continuing that, I would highly recommend saying, hey, let's push pause. What do you need right now? And that was a gift that was actually given to me. I don't do that super well. Uh, I wish I did. But this is a true story. This summer, we were at the beach with my kids and my boyfriend, who we call Bobby on this, which I really like. Um, <laughs> Bobby. Bobby was like tired or something. And I was like, I need to see you upstairs. And he's like, oh, you Um, We go upstairs and I was like, I know we're probably breaking up. I can have your stuff to you by Wednesday. I could tell by how you drank your coffee this morning. And like this man just looked confused and concerned. (laughs) And he was like... And I don't blame him. He's like, are you about to start your period? And I was like, motherfucker, I'm a day away, but here we are. And, (laughs) And I was like, I am. And then he was so great. He's like, hey, let's push pause and come back to this later and I thank God didn't get mad I can see a lot of women being like you shouldn't Uh, but it was really great it was what I needed we pushed pause and turns out I had uh, made up a whole story in my head and I think too what's really cool is when you say things like if it's hysterical is historical the more of your history someone knows the easier it, it, it is for them to relate to you and say oh this feels like you know, abandonment is a big thing for me and my husband. Like he also has abandonment issues. I think sometimes you're attracted to people with similar wounding than you. And and if you're healthy, you can heal each other. And if not, you can literally blow each other up. But thankfully, we have become healers in one, one another's lives. And, and it is nice because when you know the history of your partner, you can hold space for them. You can be kind. You can say, hey, here's an olive branch. Looks like you're spiraling out of control. Like, let's go for a walk and like press pause on the combo. And I think that is like, wow, what a gift. What a gift. So when you're regulated, your nervous system is working exactly how it needs to be. And you feel pretty calm, content, and aware. Dysregulation, when that lizard brain, that reptile or mammal is activated, what that's going to feel like in your body is it could be rapid heart rate, sweating, clamminess, dry throat, like exactly what you think of when you're feeling nervous. And I want to name that because sometimes I skip over stuff like that when I'm talking to people. But It is really simple physical symptoms that you're trying to match with the repair. So when Laura says, I need to go take a walk, she's probably really high energy. Before we started today, like before we started recording, I had ickies and I had to like stand up, put my hands on my knees and like just breathe. So that was my physical thing. It took me 30 seconds to get out of that and shake out of it. So that's, you want to go from dysregulation into regulation. Okay, so calm, content, and aware. One thing that I think y'all are going to get hooked on, because even I do too, is if I don't finish this argument, if I don't get my point across, I have lost. You have not lost. You lose by acting like a whack job and making your nervous system think it's about to be eaten by a mountain lion when really it just needs to say, 
hey, I have to pause. Mm -hmm. I would say too, you know, and I think, again, this stuff manifests more at work than it does in my personal life. But even in my personal life, I think about like very heated conversations I've had with my adult son, where and this was not when he was adult, it was when he was still a teenager and living at home. Truly, like it would be like fire matches. I mean, we're fighting it out. When I trust him enough to fight with him, he knows he can fight with me because I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay. But in those moments, neither one of us are being logical. And the truth is there was no way to get to repair. And so, you know, I would have to, with a lot of therapy, force myself to be like, hey, let's take a pause. And I really don't think 20 minutes is enough time sometimes if it's been a fight. Sometimes you need a day. And that it's really okay. Now, when I get super heated and activated, I'll force myself into a 24-hour waiting period. Like, this feels big. It feels so big right now. And sometimes 20 minutes, I can't bring myself down. And so I'll force myself to say, all right, I'm going to wait 24 hours. Like, let's revisit in 24 hours. And sometimes when it's really bad... 24 hours isn't enough. If I still feel activated, like I'm going to flip my lid again, meaning my logical brain is going to go offline, I'll say I need more time. And I've never felt like that's a mistake. It's never been a mistake to take more time. I've never felt like I lost because I just didn't run in and make my point, finish on top, you know, because you're not. There's no such thing, um, especially if you're fighting with someone you care about. I mean, the gift of time, I think, is the greatest healer. I also want to tell women, if you're in your 30s and have been divorced and you have to be on dating apps, like, God bless you. It's just really uncomfortable. But some tips and tricks. Don't go to dinner. Mm-mm. Ever. Coffee. Are, no. You go to coffee or a drink. Bye. So um, I had gotten some feedback that I can't um, date only musicians. <laughs> musicians um and like outdoorsmen basically and Mm. they had like jobs and stuff too but i was like do you play guitar you know it was like a secret requirement that Mm. i had and so i really swung hard the other way and dated someone very briefly that was the exact opposite and um when a story happened that you know we will tell one day Mm -hmm. but it caught it i had reason for concern Mm-hmm. I was so proud of myself. I sent the most appropriate, I can't even say it was a breakup because we weren't exclusively dating, but I was like, hey, I just, you know, this isn't a good fit for me. Here's why. Good luck out there. And I was met with basically, you piece of shit. This is why every man's terrified of you. And I really dodged a bullet with you. And I was like, shook, as the kids say, uh, that yeah. I was the bullet. I'm Mima. You Well, and the sex kitten. Well, with yeah, the I, good anyways, I just want to say that I have lost my fear of breaking up with people after end an engagement really nicely tell someone it's not working out other things i've done and i was reminded of last weekend is i was at a music festival and y'all i couldn't have even been 20 so let's have some tenderness and i just i went with one boyfriend and then um 
Well, the music festival was called All Good, and I was with this person. We are very good friends now, but he apparently for 20 years has called it the All Bad Festival. Oh, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, you started my tent and ended up in somebody else's. And I was like, I would like to apologize for my behaviors, and it was awful. So you left Did him with Did you say bond. tent? Tent. Oh, okay. You start in one tent. Okay. At the music festival, end up at the other tent. Gross. End up apologizing to some dude in the other tent. Oh. Ugh. It was awful. It literally got brought up on Saturday. But how good would it have been if you had a Bonnie at All Good? You could have just dropped him off. Miss. Miss. Uh, if yeah, you could get him a terrible. Jello shot, that'd be great. The guy that responded to your breaking up with him in that manner... That's his issue. The guy that came back with that weird, like, super defensive and I then, like, I can't wait for you to hear stuff. the whole story. Well, you're going to die. But that's clearly a person with issues that he, that's that's on him. If you did the thing by saying normally, like, hey, look, I don't think this is going the right direction or whatever, then any normal person would be like, oh, I hate to hear that, but I understand. Thanks so much. Whatever. Thank you. But really. I was it? so proud of myself. I was like, that was the most clear I, I was nervous because I never want to hurt someone's feelings, but it was like clear, kind, direct, done. And I, I wanted to be like, well, this is kind of what I was talking about. Um, but I will tell y'all, as much as I wanted to say, I've never heard I was terrified. Like, I wanted to bite that hook so bad, and I didn't respond, mm-hmm. which was my choose to lose. Like, I wasn't going to, there was nothing to win there. And so losing was like, okay, I guess I'm a bullet. Cool. Also, disclaimer, uh, please be careful, ladies. If you are on online dating, we got a lot of feedback on the on the Instagram poll that I did of just like a lot of people like newly getting back out there in their 30s, either being divorced. One lady was widowed. Like, do not let these people come to your house. Like the stories Claire has told me about her online dating just there's some scary people out there. Just like, don't let them come to your house. I feel like there should be, what's the minimum? How many times do you need to see a person before you like let them know where you live? Well, let's be clear. It's not like I met them on Bumble and was like, here's my address. No, 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 I know. I wasn't saying that. I was saying that it is it is scary and yes. you do need to be careful because let's say the first time you let them come to your house then you're like oh wow psycho Oopsie. they now know where you freaking live bro so just i'm not putting a number on it but like if you have like an icky radar and you know it just don't do it that's why i started just meeting guys for coffee or a drink and that was that because you know you know immediately i mean when you say you know i'm gonna be honest my husband says like the gift that i lack is just discernment i love everyone i'm like oh my god you're great come over um obviously i'm not dating so i just like i just love strays you know what i mean and so um you should phone a friend if you don't have discernment if that's not your gift like you before you give someone your home address you need to take this person to a group setting and let your friend with good discernment say uh mm, he's a serial killer so that's what I was going to say. And look, I know nothing about dating. I haven't dated. I don't ever remember having dated. But <laughs> if I were to be single and like, oh, here's a girl I want to ask out, I would 100% be like, hey, so my friend and I are going to be at this place if you want to come hang and have a drink, as opposed to this awkward like, hey, just me and let's just the two of us 
ghost set, and who knows if that will be awkward or not. The worst thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time I got to Bobby, um, I was like very cautious it like we chatted only for six weeks then i finally met him at a brewery here and we ended up staying for four hours i was like i was like hey i have time for a quick drink after work like i already had my exit strategy and so that was just like a good slow burn that was the best that was the best and i didn't even go i think i went on four bumble dates because i was so horrified by all of them yes and my sister once had a guy tell her the very first well she only went on one date before she actually met her husband but she had a horrific moment where a dude like professed his love and started crying at a table. And she was like, this is not going to work, thank God for therapy, because she was like, oh, um, bye. There was no Bonnie there, but she did. I texted her, I was like, how's it going? And she's like, it's terrible, I'm waiting for a ride and I'm hiding in a store. And I was like, please be joking. And she was like, absolutely not. I was like, call me immediately. So I had a friend wait outside and listen to a book on tape or audible or oh tape <laughs> yeah okay, and she did she it. sat out there mm-hmm. this was uh, 1996 it was 96 <laughs> no, it was a year ago uh, and I I didn't feel like concerned for my safety at all I was concerned for boredom and boy was I right this was the night I learned you don't go to dinner because and guys if you, if you're listening out there ask questions like engage in conversation i felt like i was doing an interview after a football game or something it was like so do you have any siblings do what's your favorite song ever and it went like that where we just went and i was about to say we went back and forth no we didn't he would give two word answers and so i'm like he must you needed a bonnie bro you needed to drop him with a bonnie immediately and i thought he didn't like me because i was like whatever he's not into me that's cool i'm not here for this either and then at the end of the night he's like i'd love to take you to a cool little bar i know and i was like i have nothing left like my vocal cords are shot because i was the only one that talked i want to do a whole podcast on curiosity and like how it'll change your whole freaking life because i feel like as a society we have become wildly vapid we're super self-absorbed because that's what culture says we're supposed to be but my god curiosity will change your whole freaking life and make you a better person and you actually learn things and like you know it's not your job when you're meeting someone to be interesting it's your job to be interested and like you'll be met with interest as well and so yeah for anyone because i meet with people all the time who ask no questions i'm like how are you navigating life or growing as a human in general if you're not asking questions what the hell all right highlights um if you don't have coping skills you're going to want to find a local bartender that will give a man a shot to be left at the bar if you do have good coping skills wow shots fired Uh, learn what it's like for you when you get dysregulated. You're going to soothe with sensory tools. All you're going to do is pick up that Alabama lizard, pet the lizard. Let people in your life know what you need when you're dysregulated. And remember, choose how to lose. You don't have to win everything. Winning does not always mean success or that it feels good. And be careful on Bumble. Before You Cut Bangs is hosted by Laura Quick and Claire Fearman and produced by Will Lockamy. 
follow along with us everywhere. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Find us on Instagram. We're constantly doing polls. We want to know what you think. And I know that you probably know this, but reviewing us and giving us five stars matters more than anything. And we are so grateful to have you here.